Good morning, LifeWay, friends and family. It's so good to be able to come into your home on this Resurrection Sunday. It's so good to know that we serve a living Savior who got up out the grave on that third day with all power in his hand. Here's the good news, church. Because he got up, we know today that we too can get up from every trial, every circumstance, every tribulation that we face. I know that these are challenging times that we're facing. They're unprecedented times and uncertain times, but we can look to God. These are the days, much like the days where Jesus had risen from the grave, that we're facing even on today. But I'm so glad today that we have a hope. He is the hope of glory. We can put our trust in him. He said, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I'm so glad today that we serve a living God. Before we go into the word today, why don't we lift up a prayer and invite God into our space to rest, rule, and abide. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're so grateful for your spirit that abides so greatly with us. Although we are apart physically and in our own places and in our own homes, O oh God, we pray that you meet us right where we are. We pray that your spirit might reign where we are. Give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying in this hour. And O oh God, we pray indeed that your, as your word goes forth, that it shall not and will not return void, but it shall accomplish everything it's set forth to do. Even now, O oh God, heal, deliver, and set captives free. May as we go into your word, your word indeed go into us. May we be more than just hearers of your word, but doers as well. O oh God, have your way. Strengthen your people, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Come on, as we get ready to go into the word, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 24, verse number 18. I'm going to ask you even now that in your own time of study that you read this chapter in its entirety in order that you might be able to make up the context of what we're going to be sharing with you on today. Um, Luke chapter 24, verse number 18. I'll be reading from the New International Version of the Bible. And the story reads, it, it says this, one of them named Cleopas asked him, speaking of Jesus, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? And do you not know, <laughs> do you not know the things that have happened there in these days? Let me read that again to you. Again, Luke chapter 24, verse number 18 says, one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? and do not know the things that have happened there in these days. As we lift up this text on today, I want to speak from the thought of what's going on here. You remember that song by Marvin Gaye that said, what's going on? In a season of time where people were hurting, where families were falling apart because of the economy, we're li living in days much like those on today. And people are questioning what's going on, what's happening in our community, what's happening in our world, what's happening to our jobs, what's happening to our families and our health. And I'm glad today that we have a God who can speak to every situation, to every what's happening, to every what's going on in our lives. And much like we're facing today, 
They were facing those times in the moment that Jesus had risen from the grave. As a matter of fact, just a week prior, they had been celebrating as Jesus entered into Jerusalem during the time of the Passover feast. And as he entered in, people were heralding him as a king. And he rode in on a donkey and people were crying out saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, great is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were celebrating their king. And then all of a sudden you fast forward one week later, Jesus has now been taken captive. He's been beaten. He's been bruised. He's been battered. And they put him on a cross. And it was there that he died. But in three days, he got up out the grave. And that's good news. And that's where we pick up today in this story, where these three women had gone to the tomb early in the morning. I like that. It's a good time to meet with God early in the morning when, when the children are still asleep, when, when no one else is moving around the house. You can spend time with the Lord. They went to meet with their Lord early in the morning, but to get there and discover that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. And then they entered into the tomb to not find Jesus. Their hearts were broken. Their hearts had already been broken over the events that had already taken place, but now they're questioning what is really going on, what's happening right around us. And as they turned, they recognized that there were two men that we know today that were angels, and they asked them the question, what's happened? Where is he? Where did they lay our Lord? Where did they lay Jesus? And they said, why do you look for the living? among the dead. They recognized that Jesus had got up. We have a living Savior. Why do you look for the living among the dead? And they took this message and they turned to another two disciples who were standing there, Cleopas being one, and they began to share the story with him, that with them, that that, that Jesus was not in the tomb. They had gone in and he was not anywhere to be found. And these brothers walked away and they're talking about all the events while the women had ran to tell the other disciples, the, the apostles. And Peter himself, he got up and ran to the tomb. See, some of us ought to get up and run to God in moments like this. We ought to make our way into the presence of God. We ought not walk, but we ought to run because there's a sense of urgency to be in the presence of God. Have you ever felt a sense of urgency? just to get into the presence of the living God. Sometimes I just can't wait until Sunday morning to get to spend time with my brothers and sisters and we spend time corporately worshiping God, praying together and, and hearing the word of God. He ran to the tomb and when he got there, it was just as what the women had told him, Jesus was not there. He ran into the tomb and he himself walked away puzzled, asking the question, what is happening? Oh my God. And now fast forward into this text. We see these two men, they're leaving Jerusalem. They've discovered from these women that Jesus is no longer in the tomb. And as they're walking away 
and heading up Emmaus' road, they recognize a man who we know to be Jesus, and they begin to share with him all that had taken place, and they said, you must not be from around these parts because you don't know what has happened over the course of these last days. Oh, what an amazing question to pose to Jesus, to say that Jesus was nowhere from this particular place, that he had to be a visitor, and he do not know the things that have happened. Isn't it amazing? It has been stated that there are several type of people in the world, that there are those people who, who make things happen. You may be the type of person you make things happen, but also they said there are some people who, who watch things happen. And I'm not going to say they just sit on the sideline and watch. Maybe they participate from behind the scenes. They're, they're involved, but they're involved at a distance. And some of us are in relationship with God, but we're, we're in relationship with him from a distance. They said not only are there the people who make things happen and people who watch things happen, but they said there's a third type of person you run into in life. And they're those people who don't know what's happened at all. It, 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 in other words, they're saying these people are clueless to what's happening around them. And there are some folks today are, make, are, are posing that question more today than they ever have in all their lives. They're asking what's happening now. And I'm so glad today that, that we serve a God, that in the midst of all the questions that you and I have, he can give us peace. He can give us answers. He can give us comfort in the midst of the storms and the trials that you and I face in, li in life. Here's the irony of the question is, is, is that this is so amusing for Jesus. It's the one and only person who really know what was going on that day. Jesus was the, the real one who knew what was happening. Everyone else is questioning. They're trying to figure it out. God has already worked it out. They're trying to put all the pieces together. They're trying to figure out, is there a conspiracy happening around us? And God is saying, I am not surprised because I know what's going on. Ah, he knew what was going on. He's always there. He's an all-knowing God. He's omniscient, which means he know everything. I'm glad I have a God that, that, that knows everything. I don't have to know it all. And that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All I have to do is come boldly to the throne of grace in my time of need and ask him. He, and he gives liberally, James says, ask and he will give liberally to those who come seeking. Matter of fact, the Bible says, Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. They're asking the God who's omnis omniscient, who knows all things, do you really know what's going on? And he's looking at them in utter, <laughs> utter surprise that really, do you know who you're talking to? They don't know that it happened to him for us. And he knows the end from the beginning, he knows what's going on with you and I. And that's why I came to tell you today that there are several people in the text who really didn't know what's going on, what was going on. Number one, Pilate didn't know what was happening. Oh, no, 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 no. He, he may have been in a position of authority. 
He may have held a high-ranking position in the community. He may have had prestige. He may have had power, but he didn't know what was happening. Matter of fact, how do I know he didn't know what was happening? Number one, he thought that Jesus was merely a troublemaker who needed to be gotten out of the way. He just simply saw Jesus as a troublemaker who he needed to get out of the way. Isn't there some people in your life when you came to know the Lord, they began to think, oh, you're only making some trouble. And there are people who are troubled by your relationship with God. There are people who are troubled because you love God and because you're, you're trying to live your life in a different way. And you're trying to stand on the word of God. And there are other people who become troubled by that because you, you cause them to raise up standards of living. You cause them to want to value life even more. And because they can't understand that you're a peculiar per person, a holy nation, you're from a royal priesthood, that Jesus is your king, they take you the wrong way. They misunderstand you. So here it is, Pilate. No matter the position he was in, he thought Jesus was a troublemaker and just wanted to get rid of him. But at least you can say he did ask him if he was a king. Maybe he had some doubt. But also he, he told them, he said, while you, you bury him, make sure that you put some guards out there to stand watch. Now, they wanted to get rid of him, but they said, now, we understand that he has some capability. So put some guards around him and stand watch. He didn't know what was happening because he didn't recognize that the grave could not hold Jesus. He did not recognize it didn't matter how many guards you put around him. And, and the same thing is true for, for, for Herod, King Herod. He thought he knew what was happening, but Herod did not know what was happening right around him. He thought he was getting rid of a rival as well and a troublemaker he didn't know that the one that he's trying to get rid of was the king of glory and he thought even his guards could keep jesus in the tomb and he didn't know it was not possible to keep jesus in the tomb you can't hold jesus down that's what i want to church to understand today just because we're not in the building does not mean that we can be stopped the church cannot be stopped the gates of hell shall not prevail against the kingdom of god let the redeemed of the lord say so the kingdom of god suffers violent but the violent take it by force unlike any other time the church is rising up and finding creative way, ways to still share the good news of the gospel. They thought they knew what was happening, but they didn't know what was happening. Even the women, God blessed their souls. God blessed their hearts. They meant well, but these women didn't know what was happening. Because if they did, they, they would not have wasted money buying spices to further embalm Jesus' body. Ah. Oh. They, they, they would have kept their money. They, they wouldn't have gone to the tomb looking for someone who was dead. If they had, they would not have worried about rolling away the stone from the opening of the tomb because the stone was rolled away in order that we could get in. That's why we got to roll some stones away, some hurts and some pains, some things that get away, get in our way from getting to Jesus. There are some stones that we have in our heart against people that, that inhibit us 
from glorifying God, from praising God, because we're holding on to the past and to the pain. Those are stones, and God says, the stone got to be rolled away. Listen, if they had known, they would have been neither bewildered nor afraid. If they had known that he had defeated death, hell, and the grave, their faith would have risen up and said, oh no, my God lives and he reigns. There's no reason for me to fear. I'm going to activate my faith in a moment such as this. If they had known, Mary wouldn't have been weeping. She wouldn't have been crying because her Lord, he reigns and he lives. If they had known, Mary Magdalene would not have said, they have taken my Lord away and I don't know where they have put him. Let me tell you where he's at. He sits on the right hand of the Father. He sits on the throne with all power in his hand, interceding on our behalf. If they had known, they wouldn't have been weeping. They wouldn't have been crying. They would have been rejoicing. Not, not only did the women not know, not only did, the, did, did Herod and Pilate not know what was happening, but even those who had been close to Jesus, who had been part of his ministry for the last three and a half years, his disciples, Peter, James, John, Matthew, Bartholomew, all these who had been by Jesus' side, they too missed what was happening. To some, get this, to some, now their faith was finished. They had threw in the towel. They had went back to doing what they used to do. They had given up their hopes and their dreams, their desires, their aspirations, all that Jesus had poured into them. They thought it's done, it's over, it is finished. Church, it doesn't matter what it looks like today. We're not done, we are not finished. The two in our text, even themselves, put their faith, watch this, in the past tense. Why do you say that? They said, we had hoped that he had come to redeem us. We had hope. So, so they had no hope in the present, nor no hope in the future. They only looked at him as being able to redeem them in their past, and they did not know that their redeemer still lived. They said, if we had hope, we had hope, we had hope. Is there any of you who had hoped for God to do something? There are some moments, I, I tell you, even in my own life, I had hoped for God to do something. But then on the, the opposite side of going through it, I find out that had God given me that when I wanted it, I wasn't ready for it, I wasn't prepared for it, and I would have put more stock in the job, in the car, in the house, than I did my God. And that's what people are, are, are experiencing even now in this time. They had hoped that they wouldn't encounter a time like this. This isn't what they were expecting. They were expecting God to overthrow a government, not to establish a new kingdom order. They was not looking for him to establish his kingdom in heaven that could reign forever. They were only looking for earthly influence, and God is way bigger than that. See, not to some, their faith was finished, and then to others, their faith was only fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To some, their faith was only fiction. When the apostles heard of the resurrection of story, the text says 
seemed to them like nonsense. They couldn't believe it. After all Jesus had told them, he said, the son of man got to die. He's going to be planted like a seed. On the third day, he's going to get up. He had talked about the temple. He said, you can tear this building down, but in three days, I'll build it back up. They said, this seemed like nonsense, and they did not believe, and they had been with Jesus. They had read the stories. They had heard the stories. We, too, we have been spending time with God. We know what the word declares, and many times it seems like nonsense to us. Listen, to others, their faith was only a fantasy. It was only a fantasy because we fantasize over what we think God ought to do rather than what God said he should do. And we fantasize or we create the God of our own imagination, the God of our own hopes and dreams, and we don't recognize the God of the Bible. And in every resurrection appearance throughout all the Gospels, people are surprised to see the risen Christ. That's these brothers there. They're surprised. So Pilate didn't know what was happening. Herod didn't know what was happening. The women blessed their hearts. They did not know what was happening. The apostles, the disciples who had spent time with Jesus three and a half years walking with him, ministering with him, hearing all the stories of, of what would take place, they did not know what was happening. And I'm afraid that even today on the opposite side of the resurrection, we often do not know what's happening here. We don't know that his resurrection gives assurance of the final judgment. Get this, Acts 17, 31 says, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. See, we want God to judge others, but we don't want God to judge us. We often don't know what's happening right in front of us. Not only that, we, we don't realize that his resurrection gives us assurance of the forgiveness of sins. Ah, uh, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Ah, uh, the church is operating and functioning in a new normal even now. God is doing a new thing. We're not finished. This is not a fantasy. This is reality. We're here, but God is saying, I'm going to do a new thing. As I, I draw men and women's hearts back to me, I will do a new work on the inside of them in order that the word of God might go forth. Listen, we don't realize that his resurrection also gives us hope, hope for the future. Hope in the moments that we're living in on today that God is doing a new thing and he has given us a ministry, a ministry of reconciliation to turn folks' hearts back to God. And I don't want you to miss him. I don't want us to be just like those who had went to the tomb that morning. I don't want to be like Pilate and Herod where people are troubled by what's happening all around us. Don't confuse him with your current situation. See, they were looking for him to come in a certain manner. 
But God says, I'm getting ready to do a new thing. And that's why it's important to understand if we're ever going to be able to understand what God is doing in this time and know what's happening. Number one, I want you to know that there's posed a compassionate question from Jesus. There's posed a compassionate question while they're saying to Jesus, you must not be from around here because you don't know what has just taken place over the last few days. And Jesus comes back and helps us to understand that he's concerned and he's compassionate because he says, what things? What things are happening? Jesus wanted to know why the two men on the road to Emmaus were sad. God cares about your situation. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He says, you can cast all your cares on him for he cares. For you. That's why he says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, for I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Maybe the reason that we're so overwhelmed and burdened is because we have not come to him. All of us who are weary and heavy burdened and learn of him. He said, get yoked to me. That means you got to link up with me and you got to learn my word because my word is truth. It is spirit and it gives life. He had a compassionate question. He says, what things? Because God is deeply concerned about what you're dealing with. God is deeply concerned about everything that you're going through. That's, but then we see a confused admission. A confused admission. If we're going to ever understand the times, we got to know that Jesus is compassionate. He's, he's faithful to us. He's, he was faithful when we were faithless. He sympathizes with the infirmities of men. He, he knows what you're going through. Matter of fact, he'll get in there with you. He'll come alongside you. He came alongside these brothers as they begin to take this journey. And he says, what things? What's happening? But then we got to be like them. We got to admit our confusion. And we got to go to the, the word of God for our answers. And the Bible says that, that Jesus is standing right in front of them. And they were kept from seeing him. Oh my God. What is keeping you from seeing God? Through all of this, what is keeping you from recognizing his goodness, his grace, and his mercy? What is keeping you from seeing him? You see, the two had thought that Jesus was the one who would come and redeem Israel. They had it twisted. <laughs> now he was dead. And they did not understand that true redemption that Jesus secured on the cross. They thought the cross meant that we're done, we're finished, his kingdom is over, and Jesus is saying, baby, it's just getting started. They were also confused about the reports of an open sepulcher and the appearance of angels. They, 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 they were confused. They were in dismay. They were in fear. They're wondering what's happening. But it doesn't matter how confused you are. It doesn't matter how stress you may be. First, you got to admit it. You got to admit your confusion. You got to admit your pain. You got to admit your hurt. You got to admit that you're struggling with some things. And there are some people who can't handle you being honest 
with what you're going through. But I can only imagine that Jesus perked up because he cared for them. And as they began to walk along the road, the next thing that happened, Jesus gave them a complete explanation. Jesus explained the events of his suffering and his resurrection according to the Old Testament scriptures to help them to understand that this was already going to happen. This did not catch God by surprise. He had to go to the cross. He had to die. He had to get up with all power in order that his kingdom could really begin. He who knew no sin became sin. To take on our sins. It was there on the cross for the first time he was separated from the Father. He said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God had not forsaken him, but for the first time, Jesus himself was separated from the Father. Why? Because he took your sins. He's a burden bearer, he's a heavy load sharer. He take our sins and our burdens upon him and he wanted them to understand what had really taken place. And as they began to, to get closer to their home, as they began to make their way toward their home, the Bible says, and Jesus acted as if he was going further. And what I like about this moment in the text is that when the, the men became so hungry for what Jesus was offering them. Have you ever been hungry for the word that even when you, when it seemed as if it was time for it to stop, they wanted Jesus to go home with them. They said, oh no, no, come, come home with us. They invited him in. If we're ever going to understand these times, we got to be willing to invite him in. We got to be hungry for the word of God. They thought he was going to keep going further. And they said, oh, no, we want to hear more. Have you ever been so hungry for the word of God that even when the benediction was given, you said, I got to take this word home and be like the Bereans where Paul said they went home and they studied the scriptures for themselves. They did not stop at the benediction. And all too often we stop at the benediction when, when we're sent home and we don't see the word of God until the next Sunday morning when we come into the church. But no, not these brothers. Something was getting ready to happen. Something was getting ready to shift. Why? Because they had made a decision to invite Jesus into their home. We got to invite Jesus in. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He gave them an, a complete explanation. They still wanted to hear more and invited Jesus into their homes. And that's when it happened. That's when things began to shift for them where they received a clear revelation. The Bible talks about as they were sitting there and they're breaking bread with one another. Jesus began to break the bread and they recognized his hands. And it became open to them. They began to recognize that this is Jesus. We've been with him all alone. He's been with us all alone. See, some of us think that God is a far off, that he does not know what you're dealing with. And he wants you to understand, I've been with you all alone. And they recognized his hands as he broke the bread. And they said, this is him. That this is him. 
Can you recognize that even in this moment that God is near, that Jesus made it so clear to them that he had indeed risen from the dead, that he is not dead, but he is alive. So here's what we learn in our text, that the one who knew helped those who didn't know. Ah, that's good news. The one who knew helped those who didn't know. So if you don't know what's happening today, you need to come boldly to the throne of grace in your time of need. And guess what? Number one, he'll give you the word. He taught them scripture as they walked and journeyed along the way. Number two, as he's walking along with them, he's fellowshipping with them. We got to spend time with God. And then number three, he was breaking bread with them. So today we come to faith through scripture. Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God, just as they did. They came to a confirming faith by hearing the scriptures and Jesus explaining it to them the same way we do today. Faith come by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You want comfort, you want peace, you want rest today. Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word to the God of God. Not only that, our faith is confirmed in the breaking of bread, in communion where we come and commune with God. We normally have communion on Easter Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday. And today, you'll be reminded of those moments. The Bible says, um, when we eat together in that manner, do it as often. So there's no particular time we ought to do it. But when we do commune with God, it's a confirmation through the breaking of bread. We're reminded of his broken body. We're reminded of the blood that was shed there on Golgotha's hill, the place of the skull. And lastly, our faith is completed when we walk with, the, with our Lord in fellowship with him. Hear this again. Today we come to faith through scripture. And that's what Jesus shared with them, explaining it all just as he did long ago. Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Number two, our faith is confirmed in the breaking of bread through communion. And lastly, our faith is completed when we walk with him, with our Lord, in fellowship with him. As we close today, I want you to gather around with your family. I want you to, to get them together. I want you to begin to hold hands. Even in this social distancing time, I know in your home, you're not distanced one from another unless someone is in self-quarantine that have been exposed to the virus. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a declaration unto God that you're gonna walk with him. I would tell the leader of your family that you make that declaration that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, that we're gonna walk with him, we're gonna fellowship with our Lord, that we're gonna spend time in the word, that we're gonna, we're gonna encourage one another in the Lord, building one another up in their most holy faith. And I declare unto you that as we do so in this season, God is gonna raise you up and give you resurrection power to rise above all that we face in these trying and challenging times. Let us pray. Father, we're so grateful that you got up, your son got up 
with all power. We're glad today that he's not confused. He's not forgotten. He's not even surprised by everything that we're encountering in this hour. Matter of fact, while we're asking questions, he's asking and knocking on the door of our hearts and saying, if any man will let me in, I will come in and sup with him. I'll share with you the word. He says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God and he will give liberally and upbraideth not. He want to bless you indeed. He'll walk with you. He'll talk with you. He'll comfort you and he'll reveal himself to you and make his word clear. Their eyes were opened. They recognized Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you will open our eyes to see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory, to know your presence is near. And that where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's power for the weary soul. So for us today, O oh God, we say thank you. Those who, who believe in you, we say thank you, God, for all that you have done in our lives. Have your way in Jesus' name. And Lord, before we, we, we close out, if you're listening today, and you have not made Jesus Lord of your life, over the screen, there's going to come a, a, a slide that will help you make a decision. Help us to understand if you made a decision today to make Jesus Lord of your life, you recommitted to God, or maybe today you have a prayer request. Maybe you want to be a part of a local body of believers who, who trust and believe what God is saying, who may not have it all together, but we trust God's word, and we know that God is doing a work in us. If that's you today, please let us know and email us your response to today's message. And we'll send you a gift of a new believer's packet that you might begin to understand God's word for your life and all that he has done. And before, before you sign off, we will also put on the screen a slide that you can call in for our prayer call. God bless you. You have a great week. We love you indeed.